in Jesus' mighty name. Our papa is in the house and we want to acknowledge our papa. Hallelujah. We love you. We honor you. And we appreciate you, sir. It's such an honor for us to have you here. Hallelujah. It's a great honor for us. And his love for us is without comprehension. Amen. With standing on your feet and a clap offering us unto the Lord. Let's welcome our Papa, Dr. Mikey Obwedina Mitchell. Amen. Um, I, I know it's, the clap is good for me, but can we do it much better unto Jesus, the King of Kings? If you'll slap those hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, I want you to help me. Let us celebrate Lady Gifty. You know, she feeds me well. Um, today, today I, my wife called me and said, you, you appear to be a bit slow. I said, because I'm overfed. And I said, if I don't hurry and come home, I might need a wardrobe change. Because I'll grow bigger than all my clothes. And all thanks to the amazing woman of God. She loves me. I love her more. Um, she's an amazing woman. And um, she's overfeeding me. But hey, I, I have to endure. When I go home, I'll work it out. I'll, I'll just hit the gym, be on the treadmill, run around, burn some calories. I think I'll be fine. I don't have to lose my six packs. I have to keep it. I don't have to. But um, I, I love you. Thank you so much for your love and care and everything. But what else can I say about Pastor Eric, an amazing man? Um, how many of you love him as a person? Um, is it, you know, there is, it's one thing to be a professional pastor. Okay? You can be a pastor by profession and be a horrible human being. You know how to go through your homiletics and um, go through a service, the motions of a service, you can run it effortlessly. And when it comes to your human relations, you might be a twin to the devil. But this is a, a good human being. I mean, somebody who can put you first and, and take the backstage. I mean, not many people in the world are like that. Man of God, we love you for who you are, for what God has made you, a great example. And um, for me, when I go places, it amazes you that I learn more from my host quietly. I learn how you keep yourself, how you carry yourself, how you, how you attend to your visitors, how you do so many things. And your empathy and your sense of discipline is amazing and how you put people first. And you go out of your way to make sure everybody is comfortable. I mean, last night, I sent him a message at, I think, about 1 a.m. And he responded. I said, you are not sleeping. How can't you be sleeping? 1 a.m., how? Have you joined the warlocks? You should be sleeping by now. But he wasn't asleep. He, he wasn't. Prompt response. Gave him some details quickly. I, I said, God, help me. Give me grace. 
and help me to move like that. But I, I love you. It's not out of envy. I covet it. It's a good example to the body of Christ. And um, <laughs> hey, I also love all of you and everybody. Will you look for somebody and welcome the person into the house of God? Um, welcome about three people and tell them you are most welcome to today's service. I am so glad you made it. Will you look for somebody and say, I am so glad you made it here today. I'm super glad, super excited, Holy Ghost happy <laughs> that you made it here today. Hallelujah. I am honeymoon happy and peacock proud. Uh, you don't know what honeymoon happy will, will look like, but I'll show you sometime. Honeymoon happy. Amen. Praise Jesus. How many of you came with a Bible today? You did? These days, people have their Bibles on their phones. And so everybody must carry something called a Bible, whether it is in print or it is electronic. If you are an old school and you carry a print, will you show by hand? If you are a new schooler and you carry electronic, will you show by hand? Okay. It's a perfect balance. We have the new school and the old school. It means the church is going places. You can't only be old school and survive. You can't also be only new school and survive. There should be a perfect marriage between the old and the new. That's why even the Bible has the old and the new. In every church, you should have the old and the new. People who are conservative, old-fashioned, outdated. And you should also have people who are um, more flexible, um, they are open to new ideas, but it doesn't mean they are evil. So if the Bible is yours, could you please lift it up and say, this is my Bible. It is the word of God. I'll become what it says I can become. I'll go where it says I can go. I will achieve what it says I can achieve. Will you slap your chest and say, I am a believer. Come on, do it again. Say, I am a believer. And if you are surely a believer, will you please open to the book of Matthew's gospel. I invite your attention to the book of St. Matthew, chapter number 14. Matthew 14. Actually, it is a continuation of what we did yesterday, but not from John's perspective, but from the historical writer called Matthew. Matthew was the one who spoke to them about how he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. If you get to the verse number 16 and 17, you'll find that that is what Jesus did. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took five loaves. He broke it. He gave it to them. I told you the order. God is a God of order and discipline. It is amazing that sometimes we want to do things anyhow in the church and the body of Christ and expect God to flow. God doesn't flow in the midst of chaos. Anywhere you go and there is no order, God is not there. Oh, let me bring it home. Well, God is everywhere but nowhere until you meet him somewhere. So that is supposed to mean that God, of course, is everywhere. He is omniscient. He sees everything. But you, you don't get the participating and the complete involvement of God in a situation that has no order. 
if there is no order, God can move. That is why in the book of Genesis chapter number one, the Bible says, when the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and God wanted to bring order, he first moved and said, let there be light. He brought light, order, and structure before he started creation. There is no way God can create things in our lives if there is no order. That is why you can't just go to church and want to sit anywhere you want. It's not possible. There should be order. Somebody must direct you. You know what? Sit here. Be there. Stand there. Sit there. Order is very important to what God is able to do in our lives. Without order, there is no divine movement. If you go to a place and they tell you, an usher directs you to a place and you tell them, mm -mm, I can't sit there. I, I, I want there. You, you, you are out of order. And when you are out of order, you'll never get God moving in your direction. We hate order so much, and yet we want the God of order to visit us. We are antithetical to the things called structure, and yet we want the God who works in structure to structure our lives. It's impossible. Look at somebody and say, be a lover of order. No, come on, look for a young man who is... <laughs> Sometimes is the young man. Look for a young man and tell the young man, young man, be a lover of order. You have to love order. Well, you, ladies are normally okay. Mm -hmm. Ladies are normally okay. If you tell them something, they can... They are normally... Normally, not all the... Normally. It takes a normal lady to be normally okay. If the lady is out of order, then there is a problem. Ooh. It's not a marriage counseling. I would have said something. Okay. So in the book of St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 14, if you found it, I'm going to read something that happened after Jesus had fed the multitude and after he had given it to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. I told you. That that is a lie from the camps of hell, what is happening in our time, whereby people think that there is no need to even be in church because I can watch it from home. I can watch it from home. I can watch online. I, I, I can't do that. So when the world moved into virtual reality, we have moved service and love for God into the virtual realm ourselves. And we think you can stay in the comfort of your... But, but, but this is what happens. There is the need for a pastor in the life of anybody. No matter the spiritual level you find yourself, you need an overseer. Jesus will not give the, the, the bread and the fishes to the multitude. He won't do it. He will give it to, if you read, and of course, I'm in your Bible. Go into your Bible. I'm, I'm, I am in your Bible. When you get to the verse number 19, he, he gave it to the disciples. And the disciples to the multitudes. An order was established. When you read the account that David wrote in the book of Psalms, he said how good and how pleasant it is. For brothers or the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like simile. Those I know you live in the Queensland. Simile. Also like. 
It is like the oil that was poured on the head of Aaron. It ran through his beard until it touched the hem of his garment. So God will visit headship. Amen. Then follow it through the leadership Amen. before followership. So headship, leadership, then the followership. The oil doesn't flow up. It flows down. So if you cut the supply up, you don't understand the rules of engagement. When the enemy wants you, he cuts your supply. Because you see, you don't need to shoot anybody with ballistic missiles. If their supply source is cut, they won't get ammunition, they won't get food, they'll be out of supply and stock. Read, choose out of war. When the supply source is discontinued, there is no way you will have enough ammunition in your artillery to be able to fight off the enemy. You will die automatically. That's what it is. So look for somebody and tell the person, love order. Ooh, I, I wish like talking about this. So look at somebody and say, you need to love order. You need to love it. You need to love it. You need to love it. The reason why God didn't make you monstrous in your presentation, by placing an eye on your heart. <laughs> because it's the heart's duty to feel, not to see. The reason why he did not put your ears on your legs is because your legs is supposed to bring you movement, not hearing. The reason why he amalgamated everything into the head realm is because God wants sight, which is direction. Hearing, which is intimacy, to come from headship. And a voice to come from headship. You cannot deny yourself of headship and demand an established position from God. So we, did not, we deceive ourselves in this end time. Oh, I, I, I know God for myself. I can pray all by myself. I even understand the Bible. I can pray. Why should I go for a prayer meeting? You even don't understand scripture. The Bible says that when the times are drawing now, never forsake the assembly of the saints. Because God wants the saints to come together. Actually, it is our collective lights that determine our global impact. It is when we come together that we shine bright. You will have your small light shining in a small corner. But if you shine, I shine, we shine, we shine, we come together as a big light. Look at somebody and say, be in the circle. Oh, come on, look for five people. I want you to look for five people. Before I start preaching, all this I'm saying is just be in the circle. Be in the circle. Come on, look for somebody and tell the person, you need to be in the circle. Oh, how I wish you could look for some. Is there, is there any God lover in this place? All right, so if you have done that, will you please stand even as we read today's word and I'll allow you to sit. I know that there are some young men and young, young ladies who have feeble knees and you, are, you want to sit down. Um, you have no child yet, but you can't stand for long. Sorry. Ooh, Jesus help you. Your knees are wobbly. Ooh, do I have any young man sitting? Okay, everybody stand. All right. All right, and so in the book of St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 14, Jesus had now fed them, and they did all eat and were filled. He's the only God that can fill you to your capacity. 
and they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full and they that had eaten were about 5,000 but that is not my test today I told you it's a continuation of what I, I did yesterday. So I have to go to the verse number 22. And uh, straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. After he had fed the multitude and fed his disciples, he told them to go before him, not with him, but before him to the other side. And I think I can preach from there only. Because sometimes what people fail to realize is that you don't have to see God with you to move. You have to know he is, not see he is. He had told him to go, them to go before him. Jesus was not going with them necessarily. He was with them in the spirit, but not in the flesh. He was not with them. The problem we have is that we want to see God move before we move. But that is a reversal of divine realities and truth. Until you move, you never see God move. When we go, then signs and wonders shall follow us, not the reverse. Some of us want to see signs and wonders before we move. So until you see the heavens opening, you see the earth opening, until you see some incredible signs happening around you, you don't want to move. God wants you to do something and you are waiting for manna to fall. It's not going to happen. Look for somebody and say, it's not going to happen. Then look at another and say, it's never going to happen. And go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And so every time in your life, you should know which people you send to and people you send away. It is not everybody that needs to be in the boat with you in your life's journey. There are some people who have outlived their life purpose in your life. It's amazing why we are too clingy. And as human as we are, we are emotionally driven. And so we can't afford to let people go. So when somebody is saying adios or goodbye, we want to say, oh, please, can you hold on a little bit? Can't you love me? Why can't you? We can work it out. So you give yourself a leeway of working things out and things will work you out. So most of the time, we are outrun because of the decisions we made. We concede our positions. And you can't afford to let... How do you go to a, a taxi, taxi, Uber driver? How do you go to an Uber driver and tell the Uber driver to drive you to Ghana? He doesn't have that capacity. They can't drive you there. We, we entrust our lives into people who are supposed to be with us in the short haul. So we build permanent structures in temporal places. No matter how beautiful an airport is, if you are there in transit, you don't lay your bed. You don't, you don't say that is, oh, Heathrow is nice. Let me lay a bed here. Oh, I, please, sir, go. Oh, please, this is too nice. Oh, I can't go back home. My head, this is nice. You can't do that. And that is it. You have to, it's not part of my sermon, so I have to clear it before I get into my test. And Jesus had told them, go to the other side before he told the other people, you need to go away. Your time with me is done. Again, 
it is not everybody who is supposed to stay with you. Sometimes when people are telling you, you know, I think I, I, I want to go, you need to kiss them goodbye. You need to, th and even give an offering for it. Because God has taken from your life a potential danger. So sometimes God is able to eradicate, that might be too strong a word, but God is able to eradicate from our lives people who will be of great threat or harm to us. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid, King James Version. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Uh, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Nazareth. Father, we know that the grass will wither, the flower will fade, but your word will abide forever. We pray that you give us a word that works. Anoint these lips of clay, O oh God. Make it an instrument of a blessing to somebody's life. Even as we tarry in your presence for the latter rain. Give us a word that works. In the name that is above every other name. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. The one who rules, reigns, and has a regency. Amen. I, I want you to look for seven people and tell them, trust God. I want you to look for seven people and tell them, neighbor, you need to trust God. You need to trust God. If you've done that, you can comfortably take your seat. Somebody will say, sit on the neck of your adversaries. But hey, I wouldn't say that I'm too loving. But you need to get to a place where you trust God. Trust is a very strong word, and I think that this generation uh, might have missed the importance of that word. We can't trust each other. Everybody is watching over their shoulders. Because you don't really know. Some people might come to you with, with smiles, and you don't know what they are carrying in their, in their minds. So some people might come to you with a kiss or with a hug, but technically, what they are feeling is different. Is it not interesting that even Jesus was betrayed with a kiss? So the fact that somebody technically is kissing you doesn't mean they love you. Because people are after things. And most of the time, people will never do things until they know what is in there for them. So they do a whole and a complete introspection vis-a-vis -vis what you are putting on the table. 
And they can tell that, well, with where I want to go, if I go with this dude, this bloke, if I go with him, the L in the bloke will transform to an R. And it will be broke. <laughs> and if the guy is broke, I might not be able to endure. Because one of the attributes of love is endurance. And it's born until most of the things are intricately interwoven. And so when I say you need to trust, and trust is a very difficult word in our times, maybe it's because of your past experiences you can't trust people anymore. And that's why I'm not saying you need to trust me. Because I happen to be as fallible as you are. And of course, we all operate on the conveyor belt of mortality. We are just passing. Who will exit? One way or the other. Sooner or later. You can be here for the next 50 years. God bless you. Stay here. 50 years time. When you've lost all your teeth. Everything is gone. And you can't even say as well. You'll be here. You can't say see you later. You say see, 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 see you. You'll be around. If you want to stay that long, God bless you. But even if you stay for the next hundred years, you still exit. So you don't have to. That's why the Bible says trust not in the arm of flesh. Because it will fail you. Sometimes it's not even because the person wants to fail you. But circumstances can cause somebody to fail you. Because if I tell you I am going to help you tomorrow, I said that maybe because I am confident that I will see tomorrow. But unfortunately, I don't control tomorrow. And so although I am promising you tomorrow, because I don't control tomorrow and somebody else controls tomorrow, the person might call me home before the tomorrow comes. And so even though I wanted to help you in the morrow, I will not be able to. So when I am unable to help you in the morrow, it means that I have failed you. That is why where I come from, I am an Ashanti person. You don't know what it is, for, forget about it. And when they go for funerals, they cry and sometimes some of the, the mourners, they, they, they ask the dead who can hear, what did you leave me with? What do you want to happen to me? And the, oh Jesus help me. And the corpse line is being asked questions but can't answer. He left you to yourself. So if you relied on him, he's gone. You don't trust in the arm of flesh because it will fail you. Because human beings, although we are limited in our capacity, finitum non capacity infinitum is a Latin word. That means the finite cannot comprehend the infinite. You, we are finite people. We don't know what will happen in the morrow. And so even if I promise you of something I'm going to do for you tomorrow, the, the chances are that I will fail you. Because maybe I said I will help you because I was also expecting something to come in. So if I was expecting an inflow in order to be able to give you an outflow, and my inflow is truncated, it will affect my outflow. Garbage in, garbage out. Giggle. 
You remember that one? Even if you don't remember, that's fine. So trust is a very important thing. And Jesus is now constraining his disciples to move on the back of the very powerful miracle. The book of Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 14, Jesus had now fed these guys miraculously. The disciples had come to him and they said to him, Master, you know, even if we have all the money in the world, we can't feed these people. They are too much. This is for the British government. Even the British government will have to take it to the parliament for approval. 5,000 people feeding them one time. It's impossible. How do we feed them? And Jesus said, ask them, okay, so what's available here? He said, there is nothing. A boy has a happy meal. And Jesus said, bring the lunch back. They brought the lunch back. Jesus multiplied it miraculously, lifted it up, and did not go on a mountain to pray for the multiplication. Most of the things that are dumbfounding don't need a place of seclusion. In fact, most of the miracles that we get are born out of simple prayers. The ones that you go on the mountain to fast for 40 days, it tarries. Let me shake your theology a bit. If you go on a mountain, God, I, 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 I need you. 40 days, fasting, praying, sowing seeds there on the mountain before you even come down. Having parties with insects and animals. They bite you, you bite them. Whatever happens, it was, it's a give and take. You, you do whatever you need to do. And when you come down from the mountain, the problem will still be, st I'm still here. <laughs> are you back? Come, come here. <laughs> How are you going to fix me? The problem will still be there. It will go automatically because God, you have presented a petition. But most, check your scriptures. Lazarus, come forth. The dead comes back to life. He did not stand. Kaba, kaba, kabo, kaba. So, and, and there is a direct correlation, man of God. There's a direct relationship. What happens in your alone moment determine what happens in your public spaces. So when nobody is watching, you build capacity. So that when everybody is watching, you, you bring a performance. Whatever you see the choir doing and you say there is chemistry and they are singing well, it is on the back of hours of rehearsal. So you rehearse hard in order to have a smooth performance. For you to be able to stand and say, Lazarus, come forth. You should have been able to build capacity on the choir. But when it comes to the public display, it appears easy. That is the reason why sometimes when somebody is doing the work, you might think, oh, this is easy. I can do it too. So when a pastor, a pastor holds the microphone and is preaching, and people, mm, but this is easy. I can do it. Oh, let me go and rent a place and start. You don't know that th 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 there is a problem. What you see as easy is on the back of hard work that was invisible. Before you are able to interpret that this color is blue. There's a lot of work that is going on. In the optic nerves 
are sending transmissions to the brain. And the brain is interpreting and with the speed of light, dis distinguishing or differentiating between all the colors is registered on its hard drive. And saying that this is not the red you saw the other day, this is blue, but that conversation transmission is so fast. But that work is not done by the pupil. It's not the work of the iris. It is the work of the optic nerves, but you don't see it. So most of the things that bring clarity to life are unseen. We are so obsessed with what the people will see and we forget what happens in the when you go to McDonald's, KFC, and all the places, you don't see their kitchen. You just go and say drive through, order. They bring it, boom, five pound fifty. And you pay twelve pounds, pay, and you go. You don't see the dirty work. You enjoy the crispy, salty chips with joy. You, you enjoy it, and everything in you begins to yearn for more. Maybe if they had opened the back door for you. Oh, is this what happens here? No, no, no. I, don't, I won't do McDonald's anymore. Maybe if they open up the, the factory of the chemical composition of a Coca-Cola to you, you tell yourself, I, I, but some of us are so addicted to Coca-Cola. Coke! What happens in the background? So before you are able to tell the world, come forth. There should be a back room work that you have carried out. I pray that God will open your eyes for you to be able to get there. That you work hard when nobody is seeing so that you will make life easier. And you have to get to a place in your Christian work and in your Christian maturity where you need to ask God, how is it done? How are you able to raise the dead? How are you able to calm the tempestuous storms? How are you able to feed the 5,000? You should be like the man called Moses. Who God will talk to him and God will tell him that I will show you my ways. But the people I will show them my works. If you know the ways of a man, you can do his works. If you don't know his ways and you are only used to his works, you become a consumer, not a producer. We have a group and a generation of people who are only interested in getting the thing and not knowing how the thing gets done. So everybody wants to pastor a mega church. I want to have a church and 10,000. In fact, on our new side, we have about one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four chapels. We have a church that says 5,000. That is the one we have finished. We have a church that says 10,000. We have a church that says 2,500. We have a church that says 500. Now, you think that it is good. It is work. I, I, I want to trade it for the crowd, Pastor Eric has. Because less crowd, less problem. You have no idea. Pastoring a church of 7,000 people and everybody wants you to come for their funeral when they have one. No, people, pe pe people only look at the thrills of it, failing to appreciate the responsibilities that come with it. And if this one has a funeral and you attend, and this one has a funeral and you don't go, discrimination. 
So why is the, 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 the pastor only loves some people? Have you noticed that it's only the people that are from here or the people that are able to give him this? Or the, 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 that? And then it breeds mentoring in the camp. Then there is an implosion from within. So the enemy stops fighting you and says that, yeah, he has people in his camp. He, they will fight him. And so when you say something, you have people who they are with you in the body, but their hearts are not. It's, it's, it's sad, man of God. People are itching for things they are unwilling to scratch. You want to be like, but you don't know how it feels to be like. The sleepless night. There was a time I said it in our church years ago. I was sleeping. I was about, it was about two, three a.m. I had a call in the middle of the night. Called a rude call. I woke up. If I had blood pressure, I would have gone up. High blood pressure. I picked the call. He said, Pastor, are you sleeping? I said, no, I was waiting for your call. <laughs> 2, 3 a.m., you're asking me whether, are you sleeping? I said, no, I was waiting for your call. He said, yeah, I, I wanted to check to make sure my pastor doesn't sleep at night, but he prays for me. That was the reason why he called. <laughs> so his call in the middle of the night was just to make sure his pastor doesn't slumber no sleep. <laughs> He's turning his pastor <laughs> into God. I, I said, I never signed a contract that I never, I neither slumber nor sleep. I slumber. And I take sleeps and naps. And I sleep good. Amen. But that is the kind of work you find your pastor enduring. The backstabbings and the betrayals from people who could have done better and could have, should have, would have known better. Unfortunately. That's why in, the, in this, these days, we have a lot more pastors whose children do not want to become pastors. Because they see the ills their fathers go through and the abuse of the people and the toll it takes on their family. And when you want, to, you want daddy to take you out for a game, daddy is saying that I'm going to preach or pray for somebody. And the people fail to realize that our families suffer because of our sacrifices to kingdom. Jesus had now multiplied and fed them. And after feeding them on the back of the miracle, and please understand this because this is very important to what I want to share with you. On the back of every miracle will come at another trial. Whenever God gives you a miracle, you should get ready and buckle up. Fasten your seatbelt for a bigger challenge or a stronger trial. Because God will always move you from grace to grace. And before he moves you up, you have to endure and go through the test. I pray that when the time comes for you to be tested or tried, you will not fail that test. But every test the Lord will push you to sit or to take, you will be able to pass it and pass it well. Am I speaking to somebody at all? Before I get into my test. On the back of the miracle, Jesus had now met with these guys and said, you know what? The thing has been done. Get over it. 
And again, that is also another problem with the church and all of us. We enjoy and celebrate victories too long. Longer than we should. That is why even in a football match, there is a time limit to how long you celebrate. The referee has to call, hey, it's all right, come back, come back, come and pass, it's okay. You can't just go and start dancing before your crowd and dance for like 30 minutes until you are done with it. No, 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 it's, it's okay, come, come, the match still continues. We celebrate for too long. After God gave you a breakthrough, he will want you to just put it behind, thank him for the breakthrough, put it behind you because more is at where it came from. He can bring you more. Only if you can trust him. Amen. So Jesus had gone to the guys, get over it. Oh, Jesus, no, this is good. We've just fed the 5,000. Can we relive the experience? We have 12 baskets. Can we take it home? We can even sell it. The boy only brought five. Yeah. Five and two fishes. Can we, can we give it? Can we at least give him five and probably give him interest? 100%. Let's give him 10 and four. The rest, we have a lot. We can sell. It will be enough for our journey. Jesus said, guys, get over it. There is more where this came from. Amen. Just get over it. Until you are able to get over your victories now, God will not bring you the bigger, greater victories tomorrow. I pray that God will lay in front of you many victories and many, many, many triumphs, even as you sojourn. I pray for everybody. Can I prophetically prophesy on somebody's life that wherever you are, may God bring you greater victories. May the Lord open doors that you have never even thought about. May God bring you unprecedented access and bigger breakthroughs. Wherever you Stand, may God bring you results. I'm telling you, God wants to bring you more, but you have celebrated that past victory. That goal, one goal is not enough. He wants you to score more. Don't, don't, don't just celebrate your one goal. You're not going to that's one goal project. No, you can do more. Jesus had now come to them and said to them, you know what, I want you. The Bible says he constrained them. And I know that you live in a place where you speak English. I don't. But to constrain implies a bit of force. And to push against the will. Do you know that sometimes God can send you to a place against your will? He can constrain you to go somewhere. He can force you to stay somewhere. I think most of you might probably want to live Bristol and go and live in probably Wales. Or go to Aberdeen. Or go and live in London. Or probably say that you want the American dream. Or you want the Ghana life. You say you want to come to Ghana, you want to go. You, but God can constrain you. Hey boy, sit here. I called you, and I want you in Bristol. I don't want you in Telford. I don't want you in Oxford. I, don't, I want you here. And no matter your argument, the Bible says, and he constrained them and said, you should go to the other side because your breakthrough and your next level is on the other side. Anytime God is sending you to a place, it means that he has already gone ahead of you and he's preparing a place for you. I pray that wherever God wants to send you to, may God help you to get there. 
And the Bible says that immediately he said unto the multitude, for you, you've outlived your usefulness. It's okay, go home. And most of the time, it is not everybody, I said it in my introduction, that it is not everybody around you that God will want you to go into your next phase of life with. And my prayer really for you and your generation, your children and their children, is that their lives will not be infested with the wrong crowd. Because there is nothing that draws people away from destiny more than the wrong company. You can do more with the right crowd. If you have the wrong crowd around you, they will deflate your energy. And every effort of yours will be run down. Jesus said, no, these guys don't have to go to the other side with me. The other side is for the selected few. Aren't you glad that you are part of the selected few? That when he was sending away the multitude, he did not send you away. But he's constraining you to go to the other side because he has a plan. Look at somebody and say, there is a plan on the other side. Can you tap somebody and say, anytime there is a call... For the other side, there is a plan waiting to manifest. No, I, 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 I am excited. Oh, today we change the clock. Hallelujah. This is not confusing. Hallelujah. So Jesus has now constrained these guys and rather told these guys, no, you're not going with me. But these guys, he said, go before me go ahead of me go to the other side jesus i ain't you not coming with us what jesus was trying to do and if you do the biblical study and you realize how they had positioned the miracles and all the parables you realize that anytime a parable is giving a problem is about to be solved anytime there is a miracle another miracle is about to stare them in their faces but it's supposed to be harder than the first one and so if he fed them and it was something that he could multiply in their hands jesus now had to now take their faith levels up because every miracle jesus had performed they were all there with him now this time jesus wanted to build them up in his absence and so he said unto them, you, you need to go ahead of me, go before me. Jesus, aren't you going to go with us? He said, I am, but you'll never see me in the body at all times. Why? Because this God that we serve lives on the inside of us. The Bible says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. And so whenever you have Christ living on the inside of you, you can, you can surmount, you can overcome, you can, you can overcome and win any battle the enemy will bring in front of you. Jesus had asked them, you need to go. And the Bible says that because of my time, the Bible says that when they began their journey, the tempestuous storms came, but not at the beginning of the journey. Read your Bible. I am still in your Bible. The Bible says when they were in the middle of the sea, the devil will never fight you until he knows you have come too far. Because if he fights you when the journey begins... You can throw in the towel. But he waits until you've come to a place they call abide. When you are in the middle of the journey and going back is as expensive as going forward. 
then he knows that no, this time is a crucial moment. You need to get to a place where no matter what the devil throws at you, you can look at yourself and say, and say to yourself, I have my mind made up and I will never go back until I see my Lord Jesus someday. Is there anybody who has made up his mind in this place? Somebody who knows that God is with you and no matter what the enemy throws at you, you know that you are in the middle of the journey and you have covered so much miles, so many, you have so many mileage on your tank that you can't go back. I told myself, no matter what the devil throw at me, I won't go back. Because I am too invested to return. When you know you're in the middle of the journey, I am too invested. At this time in my life, nothing can tell me to turn away from God. I am too invested to return. This time in my nothing can tell me, do not preach anymore. I am too invested. I am in the middle of the journey. And the devil will only wait until he knows you are in the middle of the journey. Then he brings to you the tempestuous storms. The storms will never come, people of God, until the devil knows you are in the middle of your journey. But when you see the storms, you should know that you have done half of your journey. And it is as simple as that. And it is better for you to continue moving forward than to turn backwards. Can you look at somebody and say, I can't turn back? No, I'm going to pray with you in a minute. But tell somebody, I can't go back. I, can't, I cannot. Oh, come on. That is a weak neighbor. Can you look for a good one? Can you tap somebody and tell that neighbor, I, I, I can't go back. No matter what they do, there is no way I can. I can't go back. I can't go back. I am too invested to return. I, I can't. When they were in the middle of the journey, that was when the tempestuous storms came. My excitement for somebody under the sound of my voice this evening is that I, if there are troubles that are around you, it means that you're already, you've already done half your journey and maybe you've done more than, that you've covered more mileage than what is ahead of you. And I pray that God will give you the capacity and the energy to be able to go beyond that mileage. Bread of life is too invested. We've come too far. We have endured too many trials to say, no, we, we are going away. We have come too far. The church of Jesus Christ has come too far. Bristol had birthed miracles and, and Bristol had birthed revivals in times past. The city has come too far for us to allow it to fall in the hands of the enemy. And if you are here and you happen to be in this land, on this land, in this country, and you are not making an impact for good, you are disappointing the heavens. He said that I, I, I'm not moved by God. And honestly, man of God, if I go to a place and there are two people, you know, I see them as a thousand people or ten thousand. I, I, I don't see one or two or three people. I only remind myself of scripture, wherever two or more are gathered. And if the gathering is unto him in his name, he is there. And I have to be excited that he is there. And not, be, and not be worried about who wasn't. So my excitement, why I have the energy to preach to a smaller crowd, is because I know that I am excited about the one who is there. 
and not mindful of the ones who did not show up. Because in every meeting like this, whoever didn't show up, technically, is just telling the heavens that I am not ready for a move. But when you are ready for a move, you make a move. Amen. You can't say that, God, I'm ready for a move, and there is no move from your end. You make a move when you need a move, so the heavens will move with the move you move. Until you make a move, God wouldn't and would never make a move. They are in the by, they are in the middle of the journey, and the tempestuous storms are coming. And the scripture says that when they were troubled, my problem is, and it's an existential problem. Why is it that you have seen this man doing many mighty things? And just the other day, you saw him multiplying the bread and the fishes. And when you see the storms, even though he said, go, your heart is troubled. Why is it that even though God gives us promises, we can't trust him? We can trust the exchequer. We can trust the stock analyst. We can trust the doctor. When the doctor says that, well, um, I just have your prognosis and it's not looking too good. I think that this thing, there is a growth here. There is this thing, this thing is not performing well. I think your, your, your kidney is functioning about 45% of its capacity. And, da, 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 and immediately your heart is troubled. You can trust the one who needs aid to see. Without him telling you, go and do a complete metabolism work, blood works. Go and do an LFT, your liver function test, until he sees the test and see where the enzymes and their levels are. He can't even give you a proper interpretation. Yet there is somebody who says that by my stripes, you are healed. And yet we can't trust this one who says that before the foundations of the earth was laid, I knew you. And them that he knew, them that he predestinated, them he called. And them that he called, he justified. And them that he justified, he glorified. Now God who predestines for glorification, when he tells you that I'm going to do something, you can't trust him. And yet the one who says that I need your lab results, you can say that I trust this guy. You don't trust God. You can't trust him. That is why sometimes when there is even the work of God and they say that we, we want to go into missions, we want people to help us. Can, you, can somebody donate probably X amount? The first thing that comes to you is that if I give this, how do I survive next month? In the book of Matthew chapter number 6, when Jesus was telling them, when they had come to Jesus and they asked Jesus, Jesus, you know what, we have been praying, but you need to teach us how to pray. Jesus opened his mouth and the first thing he said is that when you are praying, begin to first of all establish a relationship with our Father. When you begin to know that the Heavenly Father, God is your Father, you begin to relate with him as a father and a child, number one. Number two, you move the conversation forward and say that when you get to the place of comfort with him, always tell him for your asking for your daily supply, not monthly. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Because his messes are new. Lamentation says that they are new every morning. So there is always a divine renewal of provisions in the morning in the heavenly spheres. 
but the earth has not grown to tap into the budget of the daily, the daily budget of the heavens. So the heavens make budgets daily. Countries make it annually or semi-annually. With God, he says that they are new every morning. I sit every day to plan what should go where. So Jesus said, when the heavens are planning, you need to ask the heavens, what is this day for me? Give me this day, not tomorrow. The reason why you are stuck is because you have been stuck on yesterday's provision and you think that that is what God has for you. The, a perfect example of the book of Matthew chapter 6 and the Lord's Prayer is seen in the walk of the people of Israel with God. When the manna was a daily affair, he told them, never say for the morrow. That was the prayer Jesus helped them to pray. Because the manna was given to them every day. At that time, there was no deep freezer. There was no fridge. You don't have to freeze it. Like these days, you, you make your stews and your soup and you freeze them. And when you come, you microwave. You microwave it, you reheat it, and then you consume it ferociously. When you are biting into the food, oof, he did not ask them to store the food because there is always a daily supply. The reason why you don't get enough is because you don't trust him enough. He is the God who is a God of more than enough. I keep telling people, some of us, if I look back and I see what God has done, it's, it's, it's unimaginable. Unimaginable. But that's the kind of God you said. He does more than enough. He has more than enough. So why is it that the God of abundance can have a child and a child can live in scarcity? How can you say that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he says that the silver and gold in the world are mine and yet you find yourself broke? How is that possible? Because you have not had a proper understanding and definition of relationship. You can have a relationship that is remote and call him your father and never have access to his provision. Because it's not every child that lives with the father. And until you get close to the father, you never know your father's estate. Are you following what I'm saying? And so Jesus had told them, I, I said it's an existential question because he's now telling you, go to a place. He said it, and yet they couldn't trust it. When they got into a place where the tempestuous storms had come, the Bible says they were afraid. Don't allow fear to drive you away from God's will. When God wants you to do something, and please understand this, you will never have storms until you are on assignment. Probably let me rewind and press play. You will never have a storm in your life until you are on an assignment. There was no storm where they were. They only experience the storms because Jesus told them, go to a place. And when you are following divine instruction, that is when you meet a storm. And so when somebody is going through a storm, it doesn't mean the person is out of God's will. 
Unfortunately, when some people are going through trials, they, uh, but he says he's a Christian. But she says she prays. How, how can she be going to church? And these things are happening to her. They say she loves God. And see, everybody that comes around her abuses her. And yet she prays. She starts a business and it fails. And yet she prays. When you are on a divine tangent, trajectory or assignment, there, you, there are chances that you will meet storms. But every storm that you go through, please understand that there is the invisible hand of God with you to help you go through every storm. I pray that whatever storm your life is going through, may you see the hand of God at work. Amen. Maybe I'm talking to myself. I wish like talking to somebody who believes God. The Bible says when they saw that Jesus cried out of the storms and spoke unto them. But when they heard and they saw, the Bible says their fear doubled. Because this time they were not only seeing the storm, they were thinking of a ghost. When God is going to bring you a miracle, you might see the help agents as demons. You see, when God, oh, Jesus, help me. So the person will come your way and try to help you. Maybe the first description you will give the person, is this person also coming to take advantage? Is this person true an opportunist? Is this pastor like the other pastor that I went to that wanted to? Is this boss like the other boss? Maybe that boss is the boss God has sent to you to pull you out of your storm. And you met out your fears and frustration and tried to cut the supply of the divine help. And the Bible says that when they said that Jesus screamed and said, Hey, it is not a ghost. It is I. Everybody was back... Um, was, was, was just frightened and they got into their seats. I, I, I think that some of them needed a diaper change. Because probably some, some of them had peed on themselves. Because they were thinking it was a ghost. And, and you know yourself that if a ghost is to appear here right now, you might make a way where there seemed to be no way. If a ghost was to appear, probably you would take off these acoustic panels and probably want to go into the ceiling and hide. And Jesus said, no, 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 come here. It's me. Peter was the only one who was able to master courage and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. When people are low and they are desperate, God will always want one voice to stick out. May God make you a voice to your family. May God make you the voice to your generation. No, this place is weak. Can I talk to somebody who believes God? May God make you a voice to this country, this generation. May God use you to affect a whole generation. Peter said, bid me to come. Jesus said, it is I. Come. The Bible says, this man called Peter began to walk and I, I could I, I I could just imagine the first steps of Peter on the high seas. I will be beautiful. I think that he'll he will catwalk on the sea. 
and say that, hey, me, Peter on the sea? <laughs> Look at me. I can see the fishes when I'm walking. The Bible says that, and whilst he was going, and he saw the winds, the tempestuous storms, when he, at that time, he was not even seeing the sea. He saw the elements around the sea. And the Bible says he began to sing. Anytime we take our eyes off the Christ and we see the things around us, we will always sink. Because life will never give you a pass. It will only bring you troubles and problems and afflictions and trials. But as long as you have your eyes on the Christ, you will walk on every sea and every challenge. I pray that God will give you the ability to walk on every challenge that the enemy will throw at you. As he was walking, the Bible says that, and he saw the seas, and he began to sink. And he made an SOS call, an emergency call, and said, Lord, save me. Aren't you glad that you serve a living God, who when you make a call, he won't say that because you were afraid and you did not trust me, I will allow you to sing. But the Bible says, and Jesus reached out to him and pulled him out of it. Anywhere the enemy had wanted to place you, we pray that the Lord will pull you. Please be upstanding. I want us to pray now. I pray that the Lord will pull you out. Look at somebody and say, he will not allow you to drown. Will you play my strings for me? Look at somebody and say, he will never allow you to drown. Can you look for three people before we, we hurriedly get out of here and tell them that your God will never allow you to drown. He will never allow you to drown. He will never... I'm looking for people who want to make an SOS call today. That maybe your fear caused you to drown. You started something and you know you are drowning. Probably you are drowning in debt. Bills that overwhelmed you. You have confusion for a while. You don't know where to turn. You are in a quandary. There is a problem. And you are drowning. You know you are sinking. But if you can make a call to him, he can reach out to you and pull you out from that situation. Would you please lift up your right hand with me? I don't know the call you want to place, but I will place a call that God save me. God heal me. God help me make a way where there seemed to be no way oh yes you are the only one you move mountains you cause walls to fall with your power you perform miracles there is nothing that is impossible with you I stand in awe of you but I wait for you to move if you were able to part the seas if you're able to cause Jordan to flee backwards. If you're able to cause the mountains to skip like ramps. What else can't you do? Thank you, Holy Ghost. 
Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Lift up your right. Can, can, can somebody pray with me today? I don't know, but I, I want you to stop praying this prayer. And I want you to make an SOS call. God, save me! I don't need to drown. I cannot drown. Save me. Will you lift your voice? Will you lift your voice? Come on, pray. I don't want anybody to stop praying this prayer. That God help me. You are the only one who can help me. Holy Ghost. Makolobo Shadabaha. Reka Badabo Shoke de Bediba Sunde. Librato Sakabada Grando Boshaya. Holy Ghost. Help me. Come on, pray. Come on, pray. Come on, pray. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost.